1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Their experience in sports varies. Of course, uh, Vinny's got uh, experience in the NFL, and I sucked at uh, electric football.
3: Vinny and Haney, 105.7 fan.
4: Definitely no sense of urgency. I, I've never been one to uh, view these meetings as uh, some type of compressed uh, time frame where you gotta do something. Uh, it's just not the way that we approach these meetings. I, you know, I don't have a big opinion about about whether this is a deep or a shallow um, pitching free agent class. It seems fine. You know, there's some some top end guys. A couple of them are, have already signed and um, it seems like a pretty pretty standard Normal year. We want to make the team better. Um, I think, you know, it's pretty clear that there's probably a little more avenue for that on the pitching side just because our, our position player group is um, almost entirely returning and we have more on the way. I think that we won't know until we get into spring training and even into next season, but I'm happy about the fact that we're able to talk about both guys in uh, a starter context and also. A reliever context. That's going to be determined, obviously, by how well they're throwing, but also what their teammates, who their teammates are and what their teammates look like.
2: It's Mike Elias, Orioles general manager, met with the media yesterday down in Nashville, home of the winter meetings of 2023. And the theme, if you were paying attention, everybody, during those media cuts, he's talking about pitching. And the last two were D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells. D.L. Hall was a first-round draft pick as a starting pitcher and came up through the ranks down in the farm system as a starting pitcher, made his major league debut as a starting pitcher, had some health problems, lost a little velo last year, went all the way back to the Florida Instructional League to regain that, and then was a very prominent part of the Oriole bullpen in September, heading into the postseason. So D.L. Hall, will he be a candidate to be the closer next year, minus Felix Batista, or does he insert himself into the starting rotation of 2024? Also heard Mike Goliath talking about Tyler Wells, another guy who was a starter last year, had the lowest whip of starting pitchers in the American League, For pretty much the entire first half of the season. Then fatigue set in. Performance started to dip to the point where he was sent back to the minor leagues to regroup to some level, then came back and flashed in the bullpen, which was his projected role. Remember, he was a Rule Five guy out of the Minnesota organization. And he was expected to be a candidate for closer, but became so strong as a member of the rotation, he was their guy. So Tyler Wells, D.O. Hall, and we sit here and we heard Mike Elias talking about it. Starting pitching, pitching in general, not stressing. Tell you what, this guy's as cool as a cucumber when he meets with the media. And he just doesn't. Tip his hand one way or another. I mean, we can all connect dots. I mean, sports isn't rocket science. We like to make it that way. the The, the verbiage is changed in describing certain things in sports, but it's still the basic concept: catch the ball, throw strikes, hit with runners in cor- a scoring position, I and mean, the premise is there and ultimately outscore the opposition. And for the Orioles, they outscored the opposition for most of the year. That's why they won under one games. But if they want to take a next step, which is to get beyond the divisional round of the playoffs, maybe even win a playoff game, they have to improve in some areas. And a major concern for them as they've started the winter meetings is the fact they lost their closer late last season, Felix Batista. Who was named as the American League Reliever of the Year? As they called it back in the old days, the Roll Aids Relief Man of the Year, providing relief. But he's that guy, and he missed a month plus of the season. So you have to replace him. He's gone. Tommy John surgery. I don't know if you near can that guy. Made the All Star team, was extremely dominant when he first made his. Uh, 2023 appearances for the Orioles, but then started to get hit a little bit. Started uh, hitting some bats. So I don't know if he would be the guy to step right in at this time for a full season to replace Felix Batista. So that's something that Mike Elias is looking for. But D.L. Hall, Tyler Wells, where do they fit in? They're going to fit in. But you heard Elias say, it all depends on who his teammates might be once they get to Sarasota. What's this? December 5th. So we got January, February, about two and a half months away from spring training. So changes will be made. I don't necessarily think they might happen here during the winter meetings, but obviously an upgrade in the pitching department is on Mike Elias' agenda. Closer, bullpen arms. Starting pitcher, Kyle Gibson is gone. He's now in St. Louis. Do the Orioles have a true ace? Could it be Grayson Rodriguez when it's all said and done? He's got that potential. He was touted to be that guy. He was the number one pitching prospect for a couple of years. And when he came back from his minor league recall, second half of the season, pitch like that guy. Playoff performance against the Texas Rangers. You know, throw it out the window. But there's certainly major upside for him and the rotation in general with a lot of the returnees. The Orioles have been linked to Dylan Cease. He's not going to come cheap. What prospects are you willing to sacrifice? Talked to Rockabaco yesterday. We'll talk to Rich Dubroff later in the show. I don't think they're going to be getting rid of Jackson Holiday anytime soon. And it might take a lot to get them to part with the uh, the Colton Cowzers of the world. I mean, you look at Jordan Westberg, who made his debut last year. He might be this everyday second baseman in 2024, but an attractive trade piece nonetheless. Because I would think, if you're the White Sox, using Dylan Cease as the example, I want prospects. Younger, cheaper labor. Anthony Santander is about to make over $10 million this year in arbitration. And he's a stud. And I've said all along, getting rid of 30 homers, 90 ribbies, not easy to replace. But if you're a team looking to move a controllable player like Dylan Cease is, coming off a disappointing year by his standards, I'm guessing Chicago is going to ask for some of your major prospects. And if we go back to the trade deadline, apparently that's exactly what they were doing when Dylan Cease was floated around with the Orioles then. And they eventually got Jack Flaherty. And we know that turned out to be a disappointment for both sides. But the winter meetings are happening. The Orioles need pitching. If you look at their position player pool, they seem to be pretty strong They still have a ton of middle infielders and outfielders that are looking for opportunities, but Mike Elias also said, and I mean, we're not just going to trade depth because people are banging down doors. They're going to be prudent in this process. So as the Orioles look to take another step, as you view it, Oriole fan, that next next step needs to be what? Four ten five eight three one zero five seven is the number. Jackson Holiday celebrated his twentieth birthday yesterday. Expectations are he'll make his de- major league debut here in two thousand twenty-four. But the Orioles have already set a bar. Second half of twenty-two, they became contenders. Twenty-three, they won the American League East, generally considered by a lot of people as the toughest division in sports. How do they repeat that? and then take another step in the postseason, assuming they get there. 410 583 is the number if you want to join us. Turn it up Tuesday. You're going to hear more from Michael Elias as the show progresses. Also from the American League Manager of the Year, Brandon Hyde. Last night, Monday Night Football. Nolan, get in here. We'll get to the picks later in the show. 34-31, it was Cincinnati over Jacksonville. We all thought me you and Vinny Vinny's off today, by the way. That Jacksonville's going to win, maybe win handily. But I don't know what your perception of the game was. But watching it early, Jake Browning was he fifteen for his first sixteen? He did not seem overwhelmed by the moment at all, and in my spidey sense, started to sense that this game was going to be a lot more. Compa- I thought it was going to be an ugly game. You said it might be exciting. It was certainly exciting, 34-31 in overtime. Well, I thought it would be a beatdown. I mean, I thought,
5: I said that Jacksonville could really use a big game, beat up on opponents, you know, feel good about themselves, take the one seed in the AFC playoff picture. My biggest takeaway, though, is thank God that wasn't the Jake Browning that entered in the second half when they played the Ravens
2: because he was on fire. My God. Yeah, he was dealing. Joe Mixon had a couple of touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence got hurt. In the fourth quarter of that game, got stepped on by his own left tackle. So his status moving forward could be somewhat questionable. Remember, the Ravens play them in a couple of weeks. They got the Rams coming up Sunday, and then they take on the uh, Jacksonville ball club down there. And if Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence isn't playing, and with all due respect to C.J. Beathard, who I believe was 9 of 10 himself, uh, get did help set up the game tying field goal, Uh, That game changes. The tone of it changes dramatically. First of all, if Jacksonville wins last night, we're talking about them at 10-13 on Turn It Up Tuesday, the number one seed in the AFC. Now they're number four, and maybe minus their quarterback.
5: Right, and you look at their schedule. I mean, it's pretty favorable. If they had Lawrence, of course, that muddies the waters quite a bit. But, I mean, even him not at 100%, say he's still kind of hobbling around, but he plays against the Ravens, you'll take that. I mean, anything less than a
2: hundred percent—that's an advantage for Baltimore. Now we stuck a fork in the Bengals, right? Mm-hmm. They host Indy coming up on Sunday. Huge game now for both teams. Are we still dismissing Cincinnati as playoff uh, worthy? If I mean, is Browning going to really have a hundred and twenty-five or a hundred and fifteen quarterback rating on a weekly basis? Probably not, but. I mean, if he's acceptable, maybe they're acceptable to someone lot of A lot of teams in that kind of area, seven
5: and five, six and six. I mean, they're technically ahead of the Bills right now, as crazy as it is to say that. Uh, beyond six and six, you're looking at teams that are actually done, Chargers, Raiders, et cetera. So, I mean, they are. I guess they are technically in the mix, but it's crowded. I mean, you got fighting for that seven seed. Colts, Texans, Broncos, Bengals, Bills. That's, that's a lot of competition.
2: Yeah, well, if they beat Indy, you know, now they become a, le- a little bit more uh, worthy of that conversation. It's video at 81057 The Fed. Turn it up Tuesday. Ravens, we're going to hear from John Harbaugh when we come back. Seven point favorites against the Rams coming up on Sunday. The Ra- LA's won three in a row. They're six and six right now, second place tied with Seattle in the NFC West. They're the eighth seed. In the NFC. So Sean McBay, I'm sure, still has some playoff hopes there. Ravens coming off there by minus Mark Andrews. And I guess Zach Ertz coming to Baltimore is not a reality. Didn't uh, Harbaugh kind of shoot that down yesterday? But uh, they're happy with their tight ends. And I don't necessarily uh, disagree with that assessment. But we'll talk about the Ravens and the Rams. You want to get eighty cat 410-583-1057. Ravens went out. They're going to win the number one seed in the AFC if they win out. There's always a lot of ifs and buts around Christmas time for sure. What are you doing to improve the Orioles during the winter meetings if you do anything at all? But at some point during the offseason, what's happening there? The Heisman, the four guys. I'm not allowed to reveal my vote, but you're only allowed to vote for three. The three guys I voted for, they'll be.
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: See in New York. works Work sucks. sucks. They don't. Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan.
3: You look
5: at your team, you got the eye test, what you see on tape. You got the analytic test is what the numbers tell you. And uh, you look at all that stuff and you say, okay, what are we doing well? What are we not doing well? Where, where are our opportunities? What can we leverage to give our guys an advantage going forward?
2: John Harbaugh looking at the big picture with his team, 9-3 and three right now, the number two seed in the AFC behind Miami. Got an interesting schedule. Got the Rams, as we've talked about, will throughout the uh, course of the week. Then Jacksonville, who knows what Trevor Lawrence, his status is going to be. Then San Francisco, then Miami, then Pittsburgh. So things are very interesting for the Ravens over the next few weeks here, for sure. But John Harbaugh understands that, you know, there's good. There's some bad. A lot of good defensively. They lead the league in sacks. They are very stout against the run. They have some studs headed to the Pro Bowl, perhaps. The emergence of Kyle Hamilton is one of the top safeties in the NFL. Gino Stone leading the league in pigs. Justin Matipique with 10 sacks. I mean, that's all great. Lamar, MVP candidate through 12 games of the season. Running game. Now uh, bolstered by Keaton Mitchell's speed. Up to speed. Odell Beckham Jr. becoming more of an impact guy with each passing week. No Mark Andrews, though. That's kind of an issue. Ronnie Stanley not exactly playing at the highest level either at left tackle. But still, there's a lot to be excited about. Ravens put themselves in a situation where they have just as good a shot to get to the Super Bowl as anybody else here in 2023. And the main thing, and I don't want to jinx anybody, Lamar being healthy is going to be huge for the first time Since 2020, remember he got hurt in 21, got hurt last year. He's going to ride it out. And if he's there and he plays well, he will be amongst the uh, leaders in the clubhouse for the most valuable player here in 2023. Not to get, however, too far ahead of ourselves. But last night, Bengals lose or Bengals win rather 34-31 over Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, he walked null was there problems with the cart in uh, Jacksonville last night? Why does a guy with a high ankle sprain have to walk off under the – like old school, get-off-the-field style, not getting a chauffeured ride to the medical uh, facility? Personal either?
5: choice maybe, but guys are getting carted off with every injury now. I mean, it really – it used to mean something. We say, oh, so-and-so got carted off. You're thinking, oh, man, that's, that's it for him. Now, guys are getting carted off just for convenience sake.
2: Yeah. But to let him walk off the field, I'm Mm -hmm. guessing there might have been some uh, difficulties with the. Got to be more than one cart. I mean, I don't know. I'd imagine
5: he said, I'm going to walk. I'm going to
2: man up on a Monday Night Football. I'm going to take it, Dick Buckus style to the locker room. But Trevor Lawrence got hurt. If you missed it last night, you want to get in, you can at that 583 1057 It's Turn It Up Tuesday. That was Audio Slave. Kevin Allstriker, USA Today, will be joining us At the top of the hour, winter meetings are happening down in Nashville. Anytime the Orioles make a move, if they make a move at all, we will let you know. Mike Elias mentioned pitching multiple times, and when we hear from him and Brandon Hyde as the show rolls on, they're going to mention it a few more times. But coming off one of their most successful seasons in the history of the organization, first time they have won over 100 games in 43 years, that uh, playoff sweep. And getting blown out in a couple of the games left a bitter taste. So trying to uh, exercise that demon, which was the playoff loss. The Orioles have not won a playoff game, everybody, since 2014. That's nine years ago, coming up on 10. Once we get to the upcoming season, Maryland hoops tomorrow, take it on Penn state. That has been a debacle through eight games. Terps are four four Penn state, by the way, has lost four, four in a row. After a 4-4 start, Heisman finalists are set. Jaden Daniels, LSU, Bo Nix, Oregon, Michael Penix out of Washington. And um, Marvin Harrison, Jr., Ohio State, he got a little run to get him to New York. That announcement will be coming up this week. Still a lot of blowback because of the uh, football playoff settings. No, Florida State, a lot of people upset with that. My buddy Todd Helmick texted me last night. I know he's on the morning show. And he went to Florida State, was there when Dion was there, as a matter of fact. He goes, I change, you know, because when you vote for the Heisman, once you hit send, it's over. So he waited until Monday. He's like, I voted for uh, uh, Jordan Travis because apparently he's the most important guy in the in the country because if it was one for him Florida State would be in there but he uh, made some good points about the SEC's tie in with ESPN and the money and there was going to be any uh, an SEC team in but if you want to vent you're more than welcome to do so Florida State 13 and 0 on the outside looking in let's get out to the phones let's go to Harry in Owings Mills Harry what is up Good morning, Bob, and welcome back. Uh, Good to be back, Harry. How are you doing today?
7: I'm doing just fine. What did Frosty the Snowman say when they placed the magic hat on his head? Happy birthday. Yeah, right. And the gifts were flowing freely this weekend. Steelers, Browns, Chiefs, and now the Jaguars lose, helping the Ravens greatly. However, the Ravens still had to remain focused and make sure that they're motivated to take on – uh, motivated Rams team who now has a chance to make the playoffs. Um, I, and I will say this, I don't like to see anyone injured. I would like to really go up against a full team because you, in order to be the best, you do want to beat the best. So I do wish um, Trevor Lawrence the best.
2: Yeah, it was, and, it was but, unfortunate. His own man stepped on him, So, and it was a, an unavoidable situation but to your point harry and you, know, you don't wish any ill will to I, i have no dog in the fight with jacksonville other than when they play the ravens and trevor lawrence he's one of the the uh, the better young quarterbacks in this league exactly but we've had our share of missing lamar too so we certainly two we years listen. two decembers in a row harry enough of that nonsense right yeah,
7: absolutely and i knew money was going to prevail when it came to the sec i kept telling everyone who would listen Listen, there will be an SEC team in there because money will prevail. And I just have one final question for you, Bob, and I apologize. It is open-ended because there's so many variables that come into play. But if Todd Munkin was still offensive coordinator – of the Georgia Bulldogs. Do you think they win that game over the Alabama Crimson
2: Tide? Uh like you said, it's an open-ended question. I and I can't answer it with any definitive yes or no because I don't know the answer to that. I know that uh you know uh, Bowers was hurt, McConkey was hurt. I mean, they didn't have their full complement of guys at least at 100% health, but at this stage of the season Nobody really does. I don't know if Munkin wins that game for them, but they drove down the field on their first (laughs) drive with relative ease, and then it got very difficult for them offensively for the next two and a half quarters, basically.
7: Great point. Great point. Well, Bob, I thank you for your time, and have a wonderful
2: day today. All right, Harry, always great to talk to you. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. We have time for another call. Let's get a call. Videos off today. Bob Eddie Nolan McGraw, we got you covered here. Turn it up Tuesday. It's Rashawn in Baltimore. Rashawn, what's up?
8: Hey, what's up, Bob? i bro- solo today, man. Huh?
2: Yeah, man. I'm uh, doing All what I got to do.
8: Yeah, I hear you, man. But um, real quick, going to the Ravens. Um, I think we got a pretty good chance now of, I think, at worst, getting the, the third seed now with Trevor Lawrence being hurt and everything down in Jacksonville. But, um Looking at this Dolphins schedule too, because um, I guess they they got they still got to play us. They got to play the Bills again. They got to play the Cowboys. So that could be three losses for them.
2: Yeah, and what but. are they? They're nine and three, but all three losses against teams with plus five hundred record. Heck, and and yeah. they were pointing that out Sunday when they're blowing the Commanders off the field. So they feast on teams they're supposed to beat. And if you want to buy Miami, Rashawn as a true Super Bowl contender. At some point, they're going to have to start being beating teams that are at their level, and they haven't yeah. been able to do that. I mean, Buffalo spanked them
7: the last
8: time they played. Yeah, they, they spanked played. them, I think, 48 to 20 or something like that for score. But, they, you know, they could pan the Dolphins. They're they, they saying, you know, like they the AFC version of the Cowboys, you know, beating up on bad teams and everything, they haven't really played anyone. But, um, yeah, the Dolphins probably dropped down, and also – the, the Chiefs, I can't count the Chiefs out of it because they got an easier schedule than all the teams that's um in number one in the divisions right now. You know, I don't think they play anybody over 500 the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, know? but they're, they're challenged at wide receiver. That's been a season-long dilemma for them. Travis Kelsey's not playing at the level he's played at before, and I'm not saying it's got anything to do with Taylor Swift. By the way, so they're up against it defense or offensively. And the irony of it is, if they had one of these uh, previous year offenses with this defense, they go undefeated.
8: Yeah, that is true. That is true. But I mean, you just can't count Mahomes out, though. You know how that nah. guy is, you know. <laughs> so, um, and real quick, with, with the Ra- with Ravens a schedule, um, what do you realistically see them going But this, you know, and what, what games do you probably, you see them losing one or maybe two games? Cause I, I only got them losing maybe one.
2: Well, they're going to, they're going to win Sunday. Not to jinx yeah. We'll do our picks on Friday. Of course I could see them winning at Jacksonville. Even if Lawrence was there, uh, Sam brand is going to be a tall task for sure. Not that it's an impossible task, but, a tall order i mean, and if they're at home, i mean San Francisco at home, they're all they're i think they're literally unbeatable, Miami here and then pittsburgh i can i'll go a little four and one. How's that sound? Is the purple yeah. Kool-Aid? has it got too much sugar in it today? Or uh, is that is that a realistic that, that, way to look at it?
8: That's realistically. That's <laughs> realistically. And and also, man, and, and every Raven fan should be thinking the same. I mean, because you know, like especially that, that San Francisco game, though. I just want to see how it's going to play. I'm looking forward to that game, though, right there. I must say, though, so it should be a should be a good one for Christmas night.
2: Christmas night could be a Super Bowl previewer show. Oh man, it could be. Yep. All right, dude. All right, Bob. May have a good one. Take it easy. Here's for Sean, everybody. What do you think? Five games left. Four and one. Five and zero. Oh, two and three. I mean, we could always project. Keep in mind that Jacksonville games changed a little bit because Trevor Lawrence got hurt last night with an ankle sprain against Cincinnati. As the Bengals won that one, but the Rams come in winners of three in a row. Sean mcbay has been the Super Bowls. He's won Super Bowls, so you know he's going to have his. T- <laughs>
4: You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois. Team coached up.
2: The Sports Pulse
8: of Baltimore. 105.7 The Fan.
3: Our guys have a good perspective on it. They understand where we're at, what's required, and
5: what's possible, uh, the opportunities that are created. They understand that, uh, and I think they're focused in and locked
2: in and ready to go. John Harbaugh talking about the re- end of the season, playing out this stretch of games against difficult opposition. Ravens do not have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. As we're down in December, they have one of the toughest, Rams 6-6, six and six, Jacksonville 8-4, and four, San Francisco, one of the best teams in the league, Miami number one seed in the AFC as we sit here on December the 5th. And then you have Pittsburgh, even though they uh, crapped the bed against Arizona on Sunday, they still have an above 500 record, very much involved in the playoff hunt. So I guess the point is, everybody, if the Ravens get the number one seed, they've earned it. Now, backing in or rolling over scrubs, they're earning it against every team they play, at least as we sit here again the first week of December on this schedule has playoff hopes. no one's eliminated yet. Nolan said earlier, every single team starting with the Rams has hopes to get to the playoffs. And the Rams have won three in a row. They have a Super Bowl winning coach in Sean McVay. They've got an interesting Puka Nakua receiver there with Cooper Cup. The kid, Kira Williams from Notre Dame, has been brilliant. Matt Stafford's been on fire last couple of games. Ravens do have the number one pass rush in the NFL. We could change things in regards to that. But we got all week long to break it down. And if you want to do so, you can at Ted 583 1057. We talk about the winter meetings and we will with uh, Rich Dubroff later in the show from BaltimoreBaseball.com. Uh, also, Mike Exisa from cbsports.com will be joining us live at 30. Show Aitani won $600 million. Really? Really, dude? Two Tommy Johns? Nolan, I don't have the uh, Angels baseball reference page in front of me, and I've burned a bazillion brain cells over the years. But I don't believe he's played on a winning team yet. Much less a team that's been in the postseason. Correct. And hey. join the club, by the way. Don't we all want $600 million? Yeah, no doubt. You can ask for it. Yeah, and I can, like, hurt my elbow. I mean, I don't throw 100 miles an hour. But, you know, you, you got to earn it. And he is a brilliant player. Nobody's denying his uh, excellence on the baseball diamond. But, man, I mean, the Angels, uh, they had him in Trout for years. Now Trout tends to hit the IL himself, but and one Jack squat six hundred mil. I think that's out of control. Be hey, interesting to see just uh,
5: how soon he moves here. There were the reports going into the winter meetings that it was going to get done this week. He was going to move quickly, make his decision quickly, and then that got kind of you know shot down. Said, oh, this could take a lot longer. The Blue Jays are now in the mix. Apparently, they had a meeting with him, so. I don't know, it would be interesting to see when it's all said and done how many teams actually had sit-down meetings, how many were serious, what's the final decision, is it between two teams, three teams, are the
2: Angels even in consideration? Sure, right. Right. Uh, Dodgers were long considered to be maybe the front runners. haven't heard a lot of chatter about them. We know he's not signing with Baltimore. That's a pipe dream, so forget about all that. But in addition to the winter meetings, you know the Orioles' lease expires at the end of uh, December. And this again, I, and the Baltimore Banner saying that the Orioles went developmental rights, whatever that means. So this, oh, it's cool, man. We came. Remember when uh, John Angelos hijacked the clinching of the American League East? Mm-hmm. Him and Wes Moore with the hey, we've come to an agreement on this. But then again, it was basically like if you're familiar with Dumb and Dumber. When Lloyd Christmas found that bag of money, him and Harry Dunn, and they would go buy, like, <laughs> Porsches for, like, $150,000, and he'd write an IOU, I owe you $150,000 for a Porsche in the in the money bag. That's basically what that is, correct? That I don't even know what the term is anymore because it was so stupid. But I remember walking back from Pickles that night doing BBT. Brought to you by Salvo Auto Parts, of course. And Wes Moore, governor, was getting out of his limo wearing his Orioles shirt. And you knew the Orioles could clinch that night. And I'm like, yeah, something's going down. That's beyond just them winning the division, which they ultimately did. But in the middle of the game, big scoreboard, a pop in circumstance. Uh, this is great. We've come to an agreement on a lease. And then the very next day, the Maryland Stadium Authority's like, no, no, not really. No.
5: I'm looking at it right now. The picture of the uh, scoreboard agreed to a deal that will keep the Orioles in Baltimore and at Camden Yards for at least the next 30
2: years. Well, today's headline in the Baltimore Banner says Orioles holding out for developed rental rights as lease deadline nears. So two months later, they're not even close, it seems, to getting a long-term deal done in Baltimore so we'll ask Rich about that I know he's all about the transactions and everything that's going on in Nashville but this is certainly a story that we're going to have to monitor because I don't think they're leaving I just think pun intended they're playing hardball in regards to what they're asking for
5: here yeah I mean without knowing too much of the nitty gritty here I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've read all these legal documents and I'm you know doing the investigative reporting here but to me, this just seems to be heading towards a temporary one year extension. Can't they do that? They'll just kick it down the road a little bit. We're not going to get to the deadline and pass the deadline without some sort of. But when's the
2: deadline for the money that was mandated or agreed upon by the state of Maryland to of give? The big. To, yeah, because the Ravens already cashed their check.
5: I, I have no idea if that's, uh has to be done by the end of the year or not. But, right.
2: But bottom line is we all thought this was done, signed, sealed, delivered, and it seems as though it's far from it. And, again, as we're talking about the winter meetings and the Orioles getting better and you have all this great young talent that's controllable still for a few more years, it's not like this is a two- or three-year window. This is a window that could last up to five years, and it's just this peeing on your cornflakes kind of, hey, the New York Times story. New York Times, John Angelos, don't question his Baltimore street cred, though. New York Times, uh, enjoy a while last because we're not going to be able to afford all these guys. I mean, they're in the midst of their best season in forever. And he's basically telling the fan base, unless we raise prices, not that your $18 beer isn't cheap enough, we're going to raise them even more if you want to keep Gunner and Adley and all these dudes in tow. For the longest period of time. All right, I'm running hot all of a sudden. It's Vinny and Haney, 105.7 The Fan. Kevin in Ellicott City, you want to get in, you can. 410 1057 Kevin Osträger, USA Today. Talk Ravens-Rams with him. Top of the hour. One-day trade. Three cents a the,
0: share. That's
2: $3. You're cheap. And one place scratch-offs. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. If they still work here, you can bet they're in the bend. Vinny and on 105.7 The Fan. Cabin All-Striker, USA Today, Ravens Wire, joining us top of the hour. Talk about the Ravens coming off the bye, getting ready for the L.A. Rams. Winners of three in a row. Ravens got some serious help over the weekend as Jacksonville, they lose to Cincinnati. Okay. The Bengals won. You got to pick your poison there. Jacksonville would have won. They would have been the number one seed in the AFC, at least for this week. Steelers lose at home. Cleveland loses to the Rams, who the Ravens are going to see. So Ravens got to sit back, relax, and watch things all work out nicely for them. Ravens in a very good position of strength in regards to controlling their own destiny. But as we said, final five games of the season are against teams that all have hopes of getting to The playoffs winter meetings happening down in Nashville. College football playoff field is set. Heisman finalists were announced. Got the NBA in-season tournament, which is going on. I still don't really understand it, quite frankly, other than the fact that they make the courts all nice and shiny with a lot of colors on it. We'll talk about some of that with Sean Devaney later on in the program. But let's get out to the phones. Let's go to Ellicott City. It's Kevin. Kevin, what's happening on this Turn It Up Tuesday?
3: Turn it up, Bob. How you doing today, man?
2: Doing all right, dude. How about yourself?
3: Doing good, man. Just letting my mind, you know, wander about these upcoming weeks, kind of like I was able to share yesterday. I mean, I think if we go into it with, like, a little bit of, like, a a four-game NFC-type mindset and the way we destroyed NFC talent this season thus far, I think four of them games are going to be relative to that. Then we kind of get back to our roots with Pittsburgh, I realize uh, Miami's an AFC team, but that coach is from an NFC bloodline. And I believe the other three are too, except, you know, minus Coach Tomlin. But uh, we got a good chance to show off a little bit, I think, like you mentioned. L.A.'s reeling a little, kind of like we saw at the later part of the O season with teams even like Texas, right? They started reeling off wins and big-time, you know, series victories. Sure. But uh, I think, you know, we, we're we in that second or third-best team in the NFL, roughly. Kind of curious how you feel. and Well, yeah, I mean, it, obviously, long, Kevin, yeah.
2: there's no, like – 85 Bears or 78 Steelers kind of team just running roughshod over the league. I mean, Philadelphia had the best record, but – I mean, they were winning games kind of barely, and then they finally had their come-up and on uh, a Sunday past against San Francisco. But the Ra- hey, look, the Ravens have two home losses, one to Cleveland, one to the Colts. Granted, the Colts' loss was back in September, but Indy now sits in a position of strength maybe to get to the postseason. Cleveland's still very much part of the playoff mix. They can ill afford Baltimore to lose another home game, though, whether it's Miami, Rams. Steelers, you got to handle your business now at m Bank Stadium because if you're the number one seed, you know, it all comes through Baltimore. And, you know, back in 2019, we figured that would be a cakewalk, and we all know how that turned out.
3: Absolutely, my friend. And, look, like we've seen, right, you know, just like with Georgia per se uh, uh, compared to Alabama per se a little bit, right, I'll take us losing the, those couple games on simple factors uh, early in the season. Now we just don't lose no more. You know what I mean? We just don't lose no more. We don't go down. Yeah, a
2: yeah, the win against the Chargers wasn't the most beautiful football game you're ever going to see, but it's a win anyway. And it's a win on the road, and it's on national TV, and that's kind of all that matters. And, look, you talk about the NFC. Detroit came in here riding high. A lot of people were picking the Lions to win the game. Ravens blew them off the field. Same thing with the the Seahawks here. And I think the Rams – Could be facing that same sort of destruction if you know what I'm saying, Kevin.
3: Yeah, they uh, they have some talent, and I always have a saying that you know, talent beats hustle when, or hustle beats talent when talent don't hustle. And uh, I think it's two quality, talented teams getting ready to crack some skulls this weekend. But I really, really believe in us, and I think we should. Lay the wood to them. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that's what I'm leaning towards right now, Kevin. Thanks for the call as always. But we'll do our picks officially on Friday. Spread seven in favor of Baltimore over under forty two and a half. And apparently, rain is in the forecast for one o'clock Sunday down at M&T Bank Stadium. Let's go to PT and Towson. PT, what's happening on this? Turn it up Tuesday.
9: Hey, Bob. Great to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks. For calling. Can I go off on the? Oh yeah, you know it. am Let me go off on the turfs real quick, Uh, Uh, Maryland basketball. Do you think? Thank you, sir. There's 11 guys on the roster that, you know, are scholarship players. Stevens, of course, is hurt. Of those 11 guys, I would say only three, you know, okay, four, if you include the three freshmen and young, only those four kids really should be on a Maryland basketball roster. And let me say real quick, I mean, the young man from, from Canada is, you know, is a, is a um, you oh, know, at best, he's a backup. spot. Rodgers, yeah. Yeah. And then Mandy is a kid who didn't get playing time at New Mexico State. And I know that was kind of a screwed up situation. Oh, but yeah. Jahari Long is a kid that was a bench player for Seton Hall, right? Yep. Um, The kid from Indiana, I love his fire, George, he was the nice guy on Indiana and he's starting for Maryland against it. How can we possibly beat Indiana? Their nice guy is starting for us, Right. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. He's recruiting like he's still at Seton Hall. He's got no recruits. Every other school in the Big uh, Ten has a recruit signed for 2000. He doesn't have a kid signed. His portal work is brutal. I mean, I don't understand how nobody is – the the, the Chance Stevens young man, he didn't start a game for Loyola Marymount. And then he thinks that's a good addition. And then the same is true for other kids. The only portal kid we've got that's really obviously a very good player is Jameer Young. And he's not an efficient scorer. He's a poor defender. I mean, God knows he's a you know he's he's freaking the backbone of this team. Him and Juju. But honest to God, I mean, if if Jameer Young didn't go to Demathy, you really think that that I mean, nothing has shown us that Willard is going out and getting quality players in the portal. I don't know how Evans came. You look at. You look at Willard's career. It took him five seasons of losing before the sixth season he got Seton Hall into the freaking tournament. His overall record in the Big East in 12 Seton Hall seasons is sub-500. How does Maryland basketball (laughs) hire a guy from Seton freaking Hall who's got a sub-500 record in the the conference? It makes no freaking sense. And now that they're losing and taking it, you know, upside the head, people are like, oh, geez, I don't know. We're going to give them time. Give them time? What are we talking about? I agree. Agree, the two freshman kids—they're going to be good players. They can't, obviously, they can't shoot. I mean, Kai's going to be a shooter, but he takes so many bad shots. I don't know who's coaching, you know. And then Dante Scott—what are we talking about? What did he do all off season? What is Willard talking to the kid? And and yet, and the thing with Young. You know, he, I mean, Bob, you're a hoop for God's sake. Young cannot drive right. I mean, you see this. He's been in college basketball for five years. What do they work on the off season? What are your thoughts on all uh, that?
2: You <laughs> thank you, PT. I know, hey, if you're thinking like I was. I know you had on delay. Because I thought he was going to drop an F-bomb sooner or later. But PT, very passionate. And, you know, like Jameer Young, I'm a little on the left-handed side myself. And, you know, back in my playing days, and I was okay, nothing great. But I always drove to the left. And Hoops Haney, by the way, is not something I dubbed myself. Brian Rousem dubbed me Hoops Haney, who played in the NBA, and he was still a friend to this day. But I digress. Dante Scott, I don't know. Now, I almost cussed. I don't know what the bleep is going on there. I mean, the effort on Friday night passed against Indiana uh, left a lot to be desired. The recruiting class that was brought in, in all fairness, by Kevin Willard was ranked 15th in the country, but, you know, Maryland hasn't had a five-star kid since Jalen Smith. Back when Mark Turgeon brought him in, back, what was that, 2018, five years ago, Jalen Smith, now in the NBA with the Indiana Pacers. They are, and let me make sure I got my facts right, Maryland, in a game in which you live and die by the three oftentimes. Like, they got zoned up. The game I went to, South Alabama. Maryland, it was like, it was the most clueless thing I'd ever seen. But Maryland right now, there are 362 schools in college basketball Division One. Maryland right now sits at number 359 in shooting threes, Nolan. 22.7%. That means basically two out of every 10 threes they shoot go in. It can only get better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a glass half full uh, scenario. But this was a Maryland team that was expected to be, hey, watch out for Maryland. They could get up to a five seed right now. They're not even tournament worthy. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, if you've seen them play or listen to them here on the fan, it's a rough gig right now. For Kevin Willard, and to P.T.'s point, they have zero recruits for the class of 2024. It's video and Haiti 105.7 The Fan. We'll get back to the Ravens when we come back. Kevin Allstriker, USA Today. Got the whip around, 11-15. What happened in the world of sports last night? Few things, including some college basketball fun. Mike Acisa joins us from CBSSports.com. Live from
1: Nashville, talk about those baseball winter meetings. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,